right, so we are here with Act Four. Woo! Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Act so, Four. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome back to our fifth episode in our Macbeth series, where we interviewed our students from WRH 325 in spring 2022. Let's listen in to Zach, Nolan, Savannah, Kelly, and Max talk about Act 4. Yeah, so we'll give you a rundown on Act 4 and exactly what we plan to do with our lesson. So, hello everyone. Fair is foul and foul is fair. Today we're talking about Macbeth, so beware. We are the Witches Snitches, that's the name of our group, and today we're going to be talking about Macbeth, specifically Act 4. So I'm going to give a quick overview of Act 4 for anyone that might not know. So the first scene starts off with like the witches showing Macbeth all these visions and prophecies, so he kind of starts spiraling even more than he already was, and then he is like, oh my god, like I have to kill Macduff. So then Macduff flees already and then Macbeth goes and he kills his wife and son or he sends people to kill the wife and son then scene two opens with Lady Macduff and her son and Ross and they're all like kind of arguing about like where Macduff went and then a bunch of murderers walk in and they just kill the son and then we open to scene three and then we're back with Macduff and Malcolm and Ross enters and Malcolm and Macduff are kind of doing this like fake thing where Malcolm's like oh I'd be a terrible king Macduff's like, oh, I don't know if I should trust this guy, but it was just a test. And then Ross enters, and he's like, um, Macduff, your family's dead. Macduff breaks down, and Malcolm's like, let's go take revenge. So that's pretty much scene four, real quick, real light, but we'll kind of get into it a little more. So lots of Mac names is what I'm hearing. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, in this, in this act, we really see um, the prophecy untold by the witches. Um, as by our name, the witches snitches, we, of course, are here to tell you about that prophecy, right? Macbeth ultimately learns that no man born of woman could kill him. So, of course, that goes to his head and he starts being real ambitious. Um, so, yeah. And like kind of what we talked about, kind of our, our overall mission right here is just covering Act 4. And that kind of incorporated into our lesson planning, just with, you know, breaking it down, just getting it so our students can kind of focus on the key moments in each scene of the act. So in our group, like in our dynamic, I think the past assignments we've worked on, like our meme assignment um, and the characterization project, it really helps build like an idea of like how to pinpoint a singular character and focus on that. And then also in our group, when we work together, we don't really have many like lead roles. We all kind of take turns contributing, which I think is really great because it allows us to bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and I also think that in the group environment, like sometimes it might be hard to think of things. So if you have other people to work with, it really makes it easier to create more ideas. It's like a lot of new things too, especially for me, because like I've never like had to do some of the stuff. So it's like, it's a great experience, but like with the group, it makes it like even better. I think we we're all able to kind of just bounce ideas off of each other. And that was a nice part. I mean, obviously yeah. translating Shakespeare is not always the easiest thing. So, you know, we all had different, uh, different characters, but we were still able to kind of bounce off. And, you know, I could ask about mine, like, what would you say or how would we translate that? Yeah, I think me and Zach know a little bit about translating Shakespeare. We were both in theater in high school, and we did a lot of Shakespeare-type stuff, so that was not so fun. Yeah, you know, I didn't do theater until my last year of high school, but um, Shakespeare was a very prominent theme of that year, and let's talk about the difficulty of Shakespeare. It's definitely hard to translate and understand it. It's kind of its own language sometimes. Navigating it is really challenging, but this group dynamic was very helpful with that. 
Yeah, I think I really struggled with Shakespeare like in early high school. And then as I did the stuff with theater and we've really got into it our senior year, I kind of opened up to it. And I, I don't know, I just think that like you just need a lot of exposure and guidance with it. And I feel like a lot of teachers will just kind of throw it at you and say, figure it out. But we kind of wanted to take for our lesson plan that we'll talk about. We wanted to guide students and like give them some modern examples and like themes to work with, because it's not just about understanding the language. Like you have to understand like the message behind it. Yeah, with what Nolan was just saying, I think that's uh, one of the commonalities our group had was a high school experience that, you know, with Shakespeare, whether, you know, whatever play it was that we covered, there wasn't enough support in translating it or, you know, there were aspects we didn't get. So we tried to do that with a three-day lesson plan. So we broke that down into day one being plot, day two being the acted out portion, and then day three covering a graphic novel. And that way we just kind of cover the different modalities, kind of give the students an idea, you know, what to look at as well as just the variety that these plays can take, because it's not always just reading a script off a piece of paper. Um, and, you know, with day one, you know, kind of talking about plot, you know, there's a big, big focus on the important moments and then how those moments can be delivered. You know, we have uh, visual representation, just different methods within that. And that's where we really kind of started emphasizing the translation portion, you know, setting the students up with an understanding of how we can convert this to modern language that way when we got to day two with the acting it out they're not totally lost trying to you know make their their video or video or performance and then also try to translate it before they even do that you know understanding the the limitations in the classroom yeah it's not even just translations like it's the whole like multimodality that we were talking about in class like all these different representations are so helpful like looking at the graphic novel which we did in this class like i think that would be really helpful for students and that's why we wanted to incorporate it because it just gives you something different to look at. So you're still getting, like Zach was talking about, these messages that are still applicable, but in a very different way and in a way that it kind of overlaps. And I think, Kelly, you did you have more yeah, to say I about that? Yeah, I do think like when we watch the movie in class, in like a classroom as a student, if you watch that, it really helps build the visual representation for students. Because like, I know me personally, like visually I learn better. So I think if you're kind of confused because Shakespeare's a difficult thing to read, I think if you can watch the movie, it really allows it to come alive for like the students if they're having a hard time understanding like the whole context of it. Yeah. And just to jump in really quickly, we're talking about multimodality and different methods of reading and understanding a text. I was in a field experience last week, actually, and the teacher specifically told her students that she said that you couldn't read a graphic novel. So I'm curious to what other people think about that. Because to me, a graphic novel is a great accommodation for students to understand a text. So it was really interesting to hear how yeah. that wasn't allowed. Wow, that's that's actually really shocking. Um, that's funny that you say that, though, because that actually wasn't an option in one of my observation classes. And I actually was curious and I asked her and she said, oh, the school doesn't allow it. So I'm not really sure what that's about. But I remember when I was in high school that we had graphic novels, sometimes like the Odyssey. Um, we read that as a graphic novel. And it was really impactful because reading it and then reading the graphic novel, it just, it was such a different energy seeing the pictures and it made it so much better. So I don't know why schools wouldn't offer that. Exactly. And that's where we jump into day two, which is our act it out. It's just really great because students can not only access the text or media in a different way, but they can really compare the ideas and see what they like best or what they think works best. And so from day one, we go from this direct teaching model to more of an inductive teaching model on day two, where students really get to have a hands-on experience to learn and act it out. And of course, in prior lessons, we would have mentioned that, hey, you're going to be acting out. So get ready with your props, your different logistics and everything. So they would have been aware with this, but 
day two is ultimately when the students will get together and act it out in different groups in their classroom. I think it was also reassuring, like seeing that other groups, you know, were, were kind of along the same line of thinking as us, like, let's try to act it out. I mean, I think that's definitely helpful because it, it gives students something consistent throughout this entire unit plan that they're not getting all the way to act four and it be the first time they're trying to act it out. They start right from the beginning with this mindset of, OK, I'm reading it, but I'm also reading it to maybe perform, you know, getting something more out of it than just reading it off the page. Can I could do a quick question, which is, do you want to give any shout outs to any other groups? From that table read where you were like what that's so good i, mean, I think group three i mean i think you know especially you know with or uh, act three excuse me but with them leading into us doing act four i think their mindset and kind of the way they were going i think that was really great and we were able to take some cues from it yeah i think it was really helpful to have that connection because they said their idea to act it out and we're like wait we kind of have the same exact idea so we just were able to collaborate like really well together and I think I'm looking forward to like doing future collaborations for this because it seems like we agree on a lot of things and how we want to present this to students. So if we can agree on that, then I feel like it would just flow really easily between these two acts. And these are some pretty big acts in the, in the whole thing. So it'll be nice for students to have that flow. But I know theater might not be everyone's cup of tea. I know certainly there's a lot of stereotypes with theater kids and some kids might be reluctant to that. So... Did anyone else have any high school experiences that were really like key to their development? Yeah, so I wasn't in theater, um, sadly, but um, I did a couple of different projects in school. Um, one was when I was in uh, elementary school and I had to be Betsy Ross. Um, so I had to like memorize this entire sheet and I had to dress up as her and I couldn't mess up. It was like all a part of my grade. Um, and that was for a history assignment. And then I also reenacted Romeo and Juliet when I was in 10th grade. And that was just like our class had a little skit kind of similar to this, except acting it out kind of like we're doing in our plan. Yeah, it was it was a really fun experience. And it kind of like made me feel differently about the book than I already had because of the fact that I was actually interacting with it. And that's kind of the goal, and that's why we do it day two, because day three, when we move on to the themes of the play, we want students to have like a connection to it. So we decided to focus on ambition. All of the groups kind of have a different focus, but I think we can kind of tie them together with each other. And we decided that we want to talk about ambition, and we again wanted to stick to this theme of comparing Shakespeare to modern day. So we we're going to use questions like, um, where did ambition lead to success or failure, something like that? And then we were going to give a example of a pop culture lesson on ambition, like someone that was really ambitious, like maybe came from the bottom and they made their way to the top. And then so we were going to give an example and then have students pick their own examples just to kind of show that these themes, like Zach was saying earlier, still apply, even though Shakespeare was forever ago. A lot of the stuff that he's writing about and the themes within it are still super relevant. Yeah, I think like taking the modern spin on it, it really brings it alive because like I said before, I think Shakespeare is kind of boring. I'm not going to lie. Oh. I do think it's a little boring. But I do think giving the students opportunity to like have pop culture is like a very um, creative way for them to bring it alive. And I also just think that they can incorporate their own ideas. Like when we were picking songs about for the playlist um, last week, we didn't do it, but other groups did. Allowing like to pick like a song you might like, I think that just brings like the pop culture alive, especially for like students, like if they're like high school age, like it's a very creative way for um, them to get involved. One of the questions that I have about the ambition and the success, did you work any sort of brainstorming into the plan where the students would define ambition and define success? 
We haven't done that, but I think that would be really interesting because obviously everyone has some pretty different views of, of success. Like Macbeth's idea of success was overthrowing and killing everybody. So, I mean, I would hope that students aren't thinking that, but obviously like everyone's going to have a different idea of what failure or what rock bottom looks like and what hitting the top and being successful looks like. So it'd be really interesting to kind of tie that in with how does ambition get you to your own ideas of success or failure? Right. Um, with the, uh, yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Um, you know, with, with our day three with theme, I think we do have a lot of time within that lesson plan to incorporate some of those questions and really call on the students to see what they think. And like you would say, you know, what's their definition of ambition and kind of really get the student thought and, you know, at least for us as teachers, see where they're at. Right. And even success, right? Mm-hmm. For some kids, it might just be financial success. But then if we think about great artists through history, most of them died before we before their paintings were valued at anything, right? So is it is success something that lives like a legacy that you leave behind? Is it is it financial success? Is it just, you know, being a billionaire and having so much money and free time that you just figure out ways to get to space instead of being philanthropic? And <laughs> just, is, just as a side note, just, yeah. you know, a few people yeah. come to mind when I think yeah. about ambition mm-hmm. and like wasted success. Exactly. <laughs> And I think that's the beauty of that question is the the ambiguity behind both of those answers, right? I'm a big proponent for introspective learning and having kids and students like reflect upon their own experiences to connect to their learning because it ultimately gives them more power and empowers them to think about their own voice and what success means to them. So I definitely think that whether or not it's touched upon in previous lessons by other groups, we should definitely incorporate that in some aspects. So thank you, Dr. Schmidt. I think our whole thing, like you were saying, Zach, is just getting students to connect with the texts. Because we talked about, you know, Shakespeare is not always fun. It can be really hard. But if we use all these ways to make students actually connect with it, it makes them passionate about what they're learning and it makes it relevant to them and their own ideas. Yeah. And even at that, like, we want a true connection, not just a, hey, I'm going to give you this book for you to read and then I'm going to ask you questions and expect you to give me the exact answers. We want them to actually be able to relate to the book not saying like oh you know dethrone people um (laughs) but you know like look at it from his perspective and then look at it from your perspective in the society you're in now and how you might see somebody changing that story to what it is like what it would be now um so it's kind of like I don't know it's just an interesting idea and the reason that we wanted to do this plan was just to make sure that like Everybody uses that creative feature because I feel like that's kind of ignored a little bit in schools today, and it would be really nice to make sure that it's being accessed. Yeah, and with day three, the ultimate idea, as uh, Nolan, Savannah have touched on, is to show how Shakespeare's themes transcend time, geography, culture, everything, right? Because they're still ultimately applicable to today, and that's why we really wanted to tie this whole lesson, day one, two, and three, with a modernist twist. Even with acted out, I mean, I hope students don't bring in swords and whatnot to <laughs> slash off with each other. But, you know, there's there's different props, different improvisations they have to consider in day two. And day three, we'll talk about how the themes back then can still be relevant to today. That's the ultimate goal. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We are the Witches Snitches, and we're signing off. I think this was one of the strongest groups that has completed the podcast assignment, not just in this year, but maybe since we've been have been doing this assignment in the times we've the time we've talked together. I agree. I think they caught us off guard because they named their group and they had a plan 
And for a lot of this conversation, we just sat back and listened because they not only made connections between their own experiences as students while they were in high school to connections of what they're seeing in field placements to then their experiences now as future teachers. Mm -hmm. And at first I saw, I thought of it as a weakness when we, when we listened to this in the midst of the semester, I thought, Ooh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I want to hear about them as high school students, but now listening to it and hearing it again, it's illustrating to me authentic learning and meaning making and connections over the various roles that they've they've found themselves in and and now looking ahead like what what they think is going to happen next in their experiences we just really there was a time when you and i sat back and looked at each other because we didn't need to be there right they could have just run the show uh themselves it was very impressive mm-hmm. it was very good there was a moment in when we were just now listening back you mentioned something about wasted wasted success. Yeah, I mean I think for some people when they think about success, they do put a financial like a quantitative amount to that, right? And I think at the time that this was happening, we were hearing about, you know, Bezos and the the um who's the Tesla guy? Oh, um See, it doesn't even matter who it is, but they're billionaires who could do so much good for humanity, right? In a different way. In a different way. And instead, they're trying to just, you know, pound their chests and say, like, I made it to space first. Hmm. And what a waste that is. Hmm. I mean, maybe in some universe or in someone's mind, that is the definition of success. But I would make a shitty billionaire. Because there's only so much you need, and I would try to fix things for the actual humans on Earth before I tried to find my way to space. Yeah, gotcha. It was just funny because I heard you say it, and I couldn't remember exactly, because that was back in April. Yeah. This was recorded, and this is, what, three, two, three months later? Yeah. So I wasn't sure. Yep, that's what I was thinking about. So this was a great group. This Mm -hmm. was a good group, and a nice shout-out that they gave to their their colleagues yeah thank you for listening and we'll have one more group the act five group coming up next week <laughs> <laughs>